Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. back to another edition of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. Richie, the football season is over. Uh, Rutgers lost a, I wouldn't even call it a heartbreaker. Rutgers mercifully ended its season with a 37-0 loss at College Park in Maryland. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about basketball. We'll talk about recruiting. We'll talk about the OC search. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on BetOnline. As your continued resource for all your sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get on, to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. You'd head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to you, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Um, we can talk about where the Rutgers game started on Saturday with uh, the defense showing you know, that they were ready to play. They forced two turnovers in Maryland's first three drives, but the offense continued to be a total disaster. Um, I think they had like 150 total yards of offense. This, in my opinion, was the most depressing game Rutgers played all season. Uh, what did you see on Saturday against Maryland? Um, I guess real quick, because I forgot about this before it start, before we get into this really uh, pretty deep and everything. But uh, pause. That was bad. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we are offering a promo right now in the night report, too. I forgot to mention it. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the last day for $1.83 a month, $22 for the entire year. Sign up now. Promo code RIVALS22. I'm going to mention this like four more times in the podcast because I can't keep reiterating it enough. But what did I see on Saturday? I saw a team that didn't give a shit. A team that just was beat down all year long and just didn't really care whatsoever in this game. Maybe the defense cared a little bit because they looked pretty good all season long. But the offense was, I don't even, I don't want to say stagnant. I'm going to say putrid. That was the most miserable performance I've ever seen on offense from play calling to blocking to um, route running to separation from the wide receivers. It was just abysmal. I'm using all these SAT words today. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it was just Emptying out pathetic. the 10-cent word container. Yeah. yeah, absolutely pathetic. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And it, it just it kept piling on. It didn't stop at any point. Yeah, maybe Rashad Rochelle had a couple of nice carries here and there. But the rest of the – like, the, everyone else just didn't do shit. <laughs> it was bad. Um, Krupshank had – even on, like, special teams. The special teams all year long – I know yep. like you don't I, I don't want to hear the complaints that you don't have a special teams coordinator. They have special teams coaches. Mind you, they, they aren't good, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, because the special teams unit has been the most penalized unit. It's been awful. They have no returns. They yeah, they got three block kicks. Other than that, they haven't done shit. Um Krupshank fumbled on special teams. He he's been I don't even know what happened to him this year. I think the injury might have scared him off a little bit because it, it is a serious injury and I, I can speak from experience. I've uh, torn both my ACLs and it is scary to go back on a basketball court again. Um, but it's, you, you gotta like, if you're not going to produce, then all right, let's put young blood back there. The MIA man, the man who's just been gone missing for the yeah. past seven, eight weeks. I think after um, the Iowa game, the staff was pretty much done with him. Um, yeah. I think, didn't he have like, he had the fumble and then I think he had like the, the play that led to an interception too. Like he mm-hmm. was just really bad that game. It's, uh, it, there's like a, I don't even know what it is anymore. There's like a Indian burial ground underneath the stadium or something, because <laughs> like, how do you go from big 12 special teams player of the year to third, fourth team kick returner? 
he wasn't even like the first two years he was, or maybe he was, this is the second year, I think he wasn't even in consideration for the kick return role when he was at Rutgers either. So it's something was not clicking with him and Rutgers um, this time here. Um, Um, The play calling awful. I shouldn't say awful. It just wasn't. It was great. awful. It was. It, it was, was awful. Okay, I'll say awful. <laughs> like trying some to of be the, nice a little bit. Some of the play calls were just like totally head scratching. The fourth and one. You, you do a it's, wide receiver oh sweep God. with Chris Long. Was that the first sweep, uh, sweep that he's had all season? You're just going to bust it out on a fourth and one. Like he was six yeah. yards behind the line of scrimmage when he got the ball. <clears throat> yeah. No, I mean that that's questionable. Who's your receivers next year? Sean Ryan obviously. Oh my God. Had a couple glimpses. I don't think only like two or three catches, but uh. I mean, he's clearly your best receiver, and he's gone. Jimmy Jones, possession guy, gone. Uh, Crookshank, Crookshank, gone. I, and I think he has a year technically. I, I think, I think he's done. Um, yeah, I, I think he ends up leaving too. But I mean, he does have a year. Um, so it, what is it? It's, it's going to be Chris Long. We saw a lot of uh, who did we see? We saw Max Patterson get significant snaps, but not one single target. He's supposed to be the speedster wide receiver out of Virginia, and he just hasn't been getting anything. And he's a great route runner. Um, but no separation again. Um, quarterback has no time to throw, and when he does throw, he overthrows it. And it's like the accuracy yep. is a clear issue. I don't know, and and it's it's clear the staff isn't confident in Wimsad e- either. That's why they're putting Evan Simon in late game. Yep, because they want to see it's like maybe Evan Simon like can turn this around real quick, like just get us a score. And it's like no, he can't mm-hmm. do it either. Like it's yep. just this was the most. I I can't even think of a word. It was just absolute shit. That's it. This team's offense was garbage. I'm this sorry. This the I'm first game all that. season that I could not finish. Like after after the first drive of the second half, I just turned it off. It was that upsetting to sit there and watch this just total lack of effort by the by the offense. Like if we're just looking at stats, the the quarterbacks went eight for twenty two for seventy two yards. They didn't turn the ball over, which I guess is a good thing. Uh, not either, either of the quarterbacks, anyway. We went one for thirteen on third down on the day, and the the, the last the, the the conversion the lone conversion we did have on third down was late in the game. We had six three and outs this game. We had seven first downs all 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 game, only two in the first <clears> half. <throat> so the defense forced two turnovers in the first half. We had two first downs in the first half on offense. Um, if you just like we didn't cross the fifty. Until like the second, late in the second half, we 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 crossed the fifty one time on offense all day. Just what are we trying to do on offense? Like we we've gotten this sample now of of nuns as the OC, and we're averaging nine point seven points offensive points a game under nuns. Like what has he shown that would give us any sort of faith that he is the guy on, on as the offensive coordinator? Because this is. One of the most important decisions Shiano is going to make in his second his 2.0 reign, if he gives him the offensive coordinator role after what he's shown in the six-game sample, he's going to face a massive fan uprising. Like this is going to be similar to you know the the uprising that the athletic department saw when we cut off contact with Shiano during the negotiation. It's going to be that bad, and I don't I don't know if he's aware of that. Yeah, no, I mean I t- totally agree. The entire unit as a whole was just bad it starts and i think it starts up front too like your best offensive lineman technically based on if you want to go pff grades and all that it's it was brian felter the kid who got relegated to second string third string guard uh when shiano came in uh he was a starter for years and now he's your he was he played actually pretty solid but uh the the transfers just haven't worked out willie tyler's benched this was supposed to be your yeah. starting left tackle all season long he's been benched completely uh, Kobe and Asamoah, was, oh, go on. And we we ran Raquan O'Neal out, out of out of off campus too. He wanted to stay. He was our starting left tackle for like two and a half years. He was our best graded guy in 2021. And for some reason, the staff was just done with him. I don't know if it's because they thought he was soft or what, but like he went and started on a ranked <clears> UCLA <throat> team all year, and they had, they had their best season in like you know a decade with him Putting starting at left tackle. Multiple grades in the 70s, multiple grades in the 80s, multiple grades in pass blocking in the 80s. Like, Raekwon O'Neal was a good player. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the fact that he's gone, and it was just, it's it's crazy to me. I know you want to get your guys in there and all that, but that that was nutty. Uh, Dunlap, he's just, he is what he is. Not good. Um, I guess he's serviceable, maybe. Um, Ireland Brown actually uh, didn't look awful. Um, 
I, I'm actually a big fan of him at center, to be honest. But you're only as good as your unit as an offensive yep. lineman. And when you have Kobe Asamoah, a true freshman in there, who's a little bit undersized for guard still, in my opinion, doing 180s, like, yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's just, then you're going to – the whole line's going to struggle. Um, yeah, he had a really bad game at guard, man. He, uh, I, I know, like, there's a lot of hype around him, but he, he's your center. Don't, don't try to, like, put him elsewhere. It's not going to work. Um, and I don't know if there's any, like, improvements in the young guys yet. These young guys are going to take years to develop. That's how offensive linemen work. Um, so I don't know if you have an answer at guard next year because you're losing Dorenzo, who was your guard slash tackle. You're losing – well, Dunlap is what he is, like I said. And then uh, you, you don't have left tackle currently. Like, it's Holland Pierce at right tackle, but, like, left tackle, you're going you're gonna to have to hit the portal once again for, like, four linemen. Like, it's it's crazy. I want to read off some stats to you because I think it'll give a clear picture for the people listening of how <laughs> bad this offense was under nuns. And it's been bad all season, but we were expecting some kind of improvement with a, a fresh voice. So he gets hired as the OC, or he gets placed with the OC, interim OC tag the day mm-hmm. after the Nebraska game. So he had that full extra bye week to prepare for Indiana, and he had game week to prepare for Indiana. So he's basically had seven weeks as the OC. Mm-hmm. So we've gone one in five in that time. We've scored 56 offensive points. That's seven touchdowns. So, you know, 1.2 touchdowns a game, less than 10 points a game. Passing numbers, 78 for 166. That's 47% completion percentage for 807 yards, five touchdowns, two interception, and two fumbles lost by quarterbacks. Rushing, 193 carries for 588 yards. 558 yards, that's 2.9 yards per carry and two touchdowns. On third down, we've gone 23 for 88. That's 26.1%. If that was stretched out over a whole season, that'd be bottom five in the FBS in terms of third down conversion rate. Now, if we look back to even further, which might not be fair to both stints when Mm -hmm. Nuns was here as the OC, we've averaged 8.2 points per game on offense with Nuns leading the offense. And that's over... A 13-game sample size against Big Ten opponents. And that's with a 44-point game versus uh, Liberty. So that game I didn't include. If we do include oh, okay. that, it's like about 10 points a game. I'm only All considering right. accounting Big Ten opponents, which maybe okay. not be gotcha. fair. No, that, that, that's, I mean, hey, that you're going to have to face, what, eight of them per year or more than that, yeah, whatever the number is. And, and with in his time as the OC, we've gotten shut out four times. We haven't scored a single point. Yeah. We were shut out twice this year against – middle-of-the-pack Big Ten teams, Minnesota and Maryland. What has he shown that in any way indicates that he is qualified to be the offensive coordinator? There's tons of like offensive coordinators out there at all different levels doing innovative things, putting up a ton of points. I know a lot of people have brought up uh, Joe Conlon, who's the, the, uh, the head coach at Fordham. He makes $300,000 a year. He had one of the most high... Uh, octane offenses in college football history this year, averaging over 600 yards per game. He went toe to toe with uh, the Mac. They're playing in the, the Mac title game in Ohio. Uh, I think they lost 59 to 52 at Ohio in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's they had uh, Tim Demorat who threw like 55 touchdowns this year for for yeah. Fordham. Unfortunately, he's out of eligibility. They've got multiple thousand yard. I think they've got three thousand yard receivers this year. Like hire a guy like that. Because at least if you fail, you tried because he showed he could do it at some level. Nunn hasn't shown that at any point in college. Like, who has he, like, developed as a player? Who has he landed as a recruit? Like, seriously, name the best guy that he's landed as a recruit, the, the guy you could say he's developed as a player. There, I don't see it. And Chiano tying his future to Nunn's at offensive coordinator is basically, and we said it off the podcast, like, He's turning on the burner on his seat because you're basically saying like, yeah, I think what we're seeing this year from nuns isn't what he is. It's like, okay, you don't think that we've got 14 games of evidence as him as a college OC. Sure. We'll see. Next year is going to be just as disastrous, but we'll, yeah, you'll, you'll lose all these season ticket holders. You'll lose all these fans. Like nobody's going to give a shit about what this team does. If nuns comes back as OC, we need something that, brings juice to the program, something that people are actually excited about. Because right now, there's not a whole lot. People aren't excited about defense. They want to see offense. And we haven't shown offense at all under Shiano 2.0. So that's my rant. 
I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at it right now. Recruiting wise, you bring up a good point. I love Nuns. I think he's a really good guy. In terms of OC, I don't think it's 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 the answer whatsoever. But he's recruited ten guys as a primary recruiter to Rutgers. And that's like Jordan Thompson, Desmond Iguanosin, who I guess you can kind of count, even though like Union guys really all go to Rutgers minus Davison. Yeah. Um, and we all know why he didn't come here because um, his bank account's know. got a few extra commas in it. Right now no, no of, way. Yeah. Um. But Elijah on Mac bust. Amir Robinson left. Out of the ten people he's recruited, five of them are gone already. Amir Robinson, Sean Munnerlin, Kron Adams, uh, Isaiah Wright, Chris Conti. Um, I could see uh, I could see Evan Simon, who he helped recruit, being gone. I could see Brian Felter leaving because he's not getting any playing time. So it would be down to like three guys. So, I mean, it, it just it hasn't worked out at all. But he definitely can't be the OC, in my opinion. Um, I know he's not working with a whole lot just because his offense is – the cupboard's bare. Um, mm-hmm. There's no playmakers whatsoever. Um, maybe some of the young guys can step up eventually, but it's currently there's just no playmakers at all. Uh, I just – like you mentioned, Conlon makes a ton of sense to me. And it just – because the, the whole path that Conlon has has worked in the past. Like between yep. – look at Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead went from Fordham head coach to OC of Penn State to head coach of Oregon, I believe it was. And now I think he's now as an Akron. Maybe he's not a good head coach. In so terms of like, to, I don't think he was, he was the OC at Oregon, and that led to Akron. Was he? Oh, that's what it was. Okay, <laughs> that's that's what I meant. Um, but no, he, he was uh, he was great. Like, he was a great offensive coordinator. Mississippi State, that's what he was for yep. uh, head coach. Yes. Um, but he, he was a good offensive coordinator for him. He put up numbers. Then all of a sudden he gets picked up by Penn State. He still puts up numbers. Like, he's a good OC. So I think like this would be probably the best option at the moment. Maybe there's other guys out there. Like I still like a Joe Daly type just because he's a Jersey guy. I think he's a freehold native. Um, and he, he just seems like a really good option uh, based on his resume and everything. He's got NFL experience now too. Maybe Matt, I, you got to watch out because Matt Rule might take him back over at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- there's, there's a couple good names out there. Like now there's also, also some names that I think people are just throwing out there for shits and giggles. Like there's, there's like, um, Corey Dennis, everyone keeps mentioning from Ohio State, the QB's coach. I don't think he's leaving. He's been at Ohio State since 2015. You're going to tell me he never got a job offer from 2015 until now? Yep. Like, no, he's, he's got, he was QC, he was intern. He's just going to keep moving up the ladder in Ohio State, and that's fine. That's good for him. Um, who was the other name? Like, other outrageous name. Someone said Kyle Flood today. And I was like, dude, what? stop. He's, like, he's never coming back here. Yeah. Like, um, he could apply for a janitor's job, and he's not getting at Rutgers. Like, there's but just... I, yeah, I know you mentioned it, and <clears throat> we mentioned it off the pod. He has to figure. Shiano has to figure out what kind of offense he wants to run. If it's pro style again, that's I'm not going to be happy about that. But like, what, whatever. If that's what you want to do, you want to run the ball up the gut nonstop. Like, sure, that's 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 your choice. But then you got to pick a guy that can do that, and you got to recruit guys that can do that. I personally think college football is all about speed. And I know Gleason preached this when he was still when he first came in. But you got to get more talented playmakers. All got all about movement, yep. free snap. Look at look at what Dable did with the Giants. And I know it's a weird comparison because it's the NFL. He's working. He's scheming around what he has currently. Is Joe, Daniel yes. Jones the answer? No, maybe, probably not. Well, that's that's up for debate, I guess. But uh, but he's making Daniel Jones look great, confident. Like that's what you have to do. You have to scheme around what you currently have, and that's what that was Gleason's issue. That was Merringer's issue. That was McNulty's issue. That was. I, I don't even know who else was OC in that, that timeline, but then you get a guy like the fridge and the fridge is like, right, I can make Gary Nova kind of work. Like I'm just going to play it smart yeah. with him. And then all of a sudden Gary Nova has like one of the best seasons in recent Rutgers football history, maybe all time actually. So yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's this constant jamming a square peg into a round hole that is so infuriating and just like beating your head against the wall. Like when you are at a talent disadvantage, <laughs> the only thing you can win with is is a superior game plan and scheme. Rutgers cannot run this power offense with a talent deficiency at quarterback, a talent deficiency at offensive line, a talent deficiency at receiver, at tight end. Like Sam Brown is damn good, but he's not going to make up for when the, the the offensive line allows for pressure on every single running play that, like they had this year. He did a good job breaking free and breaking a lot of tackles, but he also got hurt because he was taking so much punishment. And a running back is always going to take punishment. I get that. But 
the only way to have a, an effective offense when you have a talent deficiency is having a scheme that is creating misdirection. It's creating, you know, these kind of pick plays that gets guys open. Rutgers showed no kind of curiosity or no sort of, you know, ingenuity um, in that sense this year. They were just trying to run the same plays. They're so predictable out of the same sets, with the same personnel. Like even on Saturday, they were running a fucking RPO with Johnny Langan as the running back. Like, what could you possibly expect to get out of that play? Like he's he's slow, and you know Gavin's faking a handoff to him, and he's taken to the outside, and he's getting run down by linebackers. Maybe his his ankle's not one hundred percent, but he's handing it off to him, and he, it's like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Like we're not fooling anybody. Like we need an offensive coordinator, honestly, who can honestly look at the roster and say, you can do X, you can do Y. I'm only going to use you that way, and. That's how we got to do things. We got to bring in a, a talent infusion in the transfer portal because we don't have, like a you ton. mentioned, we're losing our top three receivers this year. <laughs> if we're like looking at who we have left at that point, it's like true freshmen that are coming in. It's Chris Long. It's Christian Dremel, former walk-on. Like we have nothing at receiver next year. We need to bring in at least two guys, more like three, bring in an offense coordinator who is full of fresh ideas and, totally changes how we do things because it'll be invigorating for the players too, because they know these, these plays aren't going to work. They're lining up there and they know that the guy in front of them is not going to block for this play. They know that the, the guy he's handing it off to can't be break a tackle. They know that the guy he's trying to throw it to can't get open. So they are just as defeated as the coaches. Like they need a philosophical change. Number one, like every good coach at some point is hits a crossroad and realizes what I'm doing isn't working. Like, Nick Saban talks about it, how, you know, he always thought defense wins championships. He's a defensive guy. He was talking about – there's a clip I put up about him <clears> talking <throat> about how they're leading the SEC this two years ago in defensive points allowed with 19 points a game. And what his team considers good is 13 points a game. And he realizes that everything in terms of rules, in terms of, you know, what people are focusing on now is geared towards offense. So he realized I need to do the same thing as a head coach. Everything needs to be geared around the offense. We'll stop them occasionally, but for the most part, we need to outscore teams more so than stop teams. And Gianno, I don't know why he hasn't realized this. Maybe he has, and he hasn't either done enough to, to recruit guys or done enough to adapt his game plans, but it is about outscoring teams in college football, not stopping teams. And the sooner he realizes yeah. that and kind of adapts his game plans accordingly and adapts his his personnel and his coaching hires accordingly, the bet the sooner we'll actually be a better team. But until we start trying to outscore teams and not just trying to do complementary football, which essentially is like, I'm going to play really good defense and run the ball out. We're going to win games ugly. That's not going to happen in the Big Ten. No, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And going back to like what you said about Sam Brown, like I, I wanted to bring this up. Look at Pacheco. Checo was misused yes. for years at Rutgers. Oh now he's God. a starting running back in the NFL year one. Ran for 100 yards last week against a pr- – I shouldn't say this year they're pretty good, but on paper the Chargers defense is pretty good. Um, ran for 70 yards and a touchdown yesterday. He's averaging 4.7 in the NFL. You know what he averaged at Rutgers? Lower than that. Like it's, yeah. it's like Sam Brown's great. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to be a really good one. He, if he won't have support up front to protect for or block for him – there's, there's no point in him staying. I hate to say it. And he knows that. It's not like I'm giving him some some type of new info or anything like that. No, people are going to yeah. be like pissed I said that. But, like, it's nothing, like, groundbreaking. Like, he, he knows there's no, like, offensive lineman up front. This this team needs three playmakers at wide receiver. They need a tight end, at least one that can block. And then yep. you, need, you need three portal guys at this point and for the offensive line. Like, hell, you probably need a quarterback, too. And you do need stop, a quarterback. You absolutely stop. need a quarterback. Even if it's a one-year stopgap, I'm sure Wimsat, like everyone's like, yeah, Wimsat's going to leave. Like, no, like maybe he'll under. He's got to understand. Like, in order to win games, maybe he develops nicely over the offseason. Still, I still think he needs another year to sit on the bench and kind of understand like how things work and fix the accuracy issue. Understand that you you got to fix that. You got to fix your decision making. That's the number one thing with every quarterback. It's not. Yeah, you can have the arm. You can have the. The, all the attributes that everybody loves in recruiting rankings, but if you don't have it up here, that's you're you're nothing. You're not a quarterback then. You're you're DC Jefferson at tight end. Yeah, and I think Gavin did show like small improvements with decision making as the year went on, but his accuracy was still the problem. Like yeah. he cannot 
hit this broad side of a barn sometimes, man. And it's not like deep shots. We're talking about screens. We're talking about like, you know, 10 yard in routes. We're talking about like the, the basic throws of a quarterback's repertoire, let alone like the moon balls that are like, you know, you know, tier three and four level throws for a quarterback. We're talking about tier one level throws. Like these are the things that you need to build your foundation around. He still is not hitting regularly. So he needs to just like, figure out what those accuracy issues are caused by it's because it, it's a lot of things it's his foot his footwork is terrible like half his throws are either on the run either by design or not or off his back foot like he needs to be able to step into throws and have this repetitive motion that he actually sticks to um and maybe that's just working with a a, a quarterback coach in the offseason he did that this past offseason and it didn't really do a whole lot so he needs to really just get his shit together this off season. And I know he's yeah. young. He's 19 years old. There's not many power five programs who start 19 year old quarterbacks for a reason. A lot of them, they take three years to develop. There's not many Trevor Lawrence's in the world. There's not many Bryce Young's. And the reason they're ranked so high in recruiting rankings is because evaluators say, Oh my God, he's got awareness beyond his years, now, let alone the physical talents. Cause if you're a power <laughs> five quarterback, you have the physical talents for the most part. It's, yeah. it's about that, that feel for the game. It's about that, decision-making it's about you know these things that can't really be taught these intangibles and he doesn't really have that yet so yeah it's gonna take time i, I mean i keep looking back to all the like all the recruiting things that came out about Winstat when he was in at the elite 11 and it was all accuracy issues everyone fell in love with his like game as a dual threat which apparently just disappeared because he doesn't run anymore maybe that's mm-hmm. injury related maybe it's not maybe it's scheme related which would be even more concerning but uh he, he struggles so bad with accuracy and it's been like this for a couple of years now since he was in high school. Like he's, it's just, yeah. it's well known and it's not something you can easily fix. Like it's going to take time. And that's why I think you need a stopgap quarterback, whether that be like a, I, just, I think the only quarterback we really mentioned so far was Jack Tuttle in the portal, but I, I don't think he's an option either, but, but uh, they yeah. need somebody like they need to start like showing some more interest in another quarter. I know they, they who they reach out to today. Um, Jeff Sims, the Georgia yeah. Tech quarterback. I haven't written that up yet, but it looks like we're starting <clears> to show interest in him. Um, I know like there's... the one-off with Chad Masco. I don't know if that's even – he's not even in the portal, so I don't know why they, they started following him. Yeah. Well, I know Jeff um, Sims. I know I mentioned to you there's a rumor he's going to UCF, and he apparently skipped class for like two months, so it's like that's probably no-go. Yep. Um, you you kind of got to hope. Like if you do hire an OC, that's not – like on the staff currently, like instead of nuns, like it's, you got to hope the next guy has a quarterback with them. And I know I like Conlin the most as a OC candidate, but his quarterback just graduated. Like, I, I don't know. And yeah. Like if, if you're going a lower level guy, like the Villanova guy, Chris, uh, what was it? Chris Board or no? Chris Bowden. Bowden. The, you're talking you go, about the, uh, the OC, right? Yeah. <clears throat> if you go with him as a, a OC, I don't think Villanova quarterback is probably the answer either. So you got to hit the portal for somebody. I don't know who, and I don't know how you're going to convince them too, because you, you need linemen. You need to. That's why you got to get like probably two or three linemen and be like, "Hey, look, we got these guys. We got Holland Pierce there. Look at his tape; he's pretty good." And then we got Ireland Brown up front, so we got two starters. And then we just got these three guys. Man, we're going to protect you great and hype them up or something like that. But yeah, it's um, <laughs> I just don't know how you do it current with the current roster setup. Like it's tough. Yeah, thankfully there are some like local programs who have really good quarterbacks with New Jersey connections. So Mamet's quarterback is really good. His name's Tony Musket. Uh, this year he's got 1,900 yards passing. He's got uh, 17 touchdowns to eight interceptions. He's got 200 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Um, Matt Saluka is the quarterback for Holy Cross, who's uh, whatever the FCS Heisman is, he's probably one of the front runners for that. Uh, he's led Holy Cross to an undefeated season this year. He's he spent a year. He's from Long Island. He spent a year at uh, the Petty School, I think, um, either Petty or Hun. He literally like went three state straight seasons in high school undefeated. He's he's led Holy Cross to like its best two year stretch, arguably in program history. Uh, this season, he's got twenty three hundred yards passing, twenty five touchdowns, three interceptions. 918 yards rushing, eight touchdowns on the ground. Like, this kid is a true dual threat. Um, he would be a great addition. He's one of the top-rated quarterbacks, according to PFF. He's got two additional years of eligibility after this year. Um, so maybe hiring his – and they also have a really good receiver in Jalen Coker, too. He's one of the top 10-graded receivers on PFF. Hmm. 
So like, this is the kind of situation where you hire the head coach, you hire the <clears throat> offense coordinator, you kind of plug and play as quarterback and his wide receiver. And you just kind of hit the ball, hit the ground running. Cause I, I don't see a, a logical situation other than hiring, like, you know, a coach and bringing players along where we can get a functional offense next year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another interesting one, but I do think it's going to be, if they do go, um, not on the staff and they go out of, <clears throat> out of the area or whatever, um, it's gotta be someone from a lower level. It's going to be tough to hire like one of these, these big name guys. I really do think it's going to be tough. Um, it's not easy to work for an old school head coach like Chiano. Um, the offense, like I said, it's a major rebuild. A lot of guys aren't going to want to hitch their careers to this. I know like someone mentioned Brendan Marion on our board, the uh, Texas pass game coordinator. It's, it's hard to convince a guy like, I know he's from PA. I know he's got the connections. It's going to be hard to convince a guy like that to leave Texas to come to Rutgers where if he has one bad season, two bad seasons, it's like, all right, you got your shot as OC. You're screwed. You're never getting another shot again. That's it. Or you have to wait a lot or build your resume back up. Yep. Like it, it's, it's tough for a guy to like a young guy to do that. Like, and just risk yourself like that, especially when this offense hasn't been good. Like, like, like I said before, since, since the fridge, like when's the last time it was good? Like, I don't know. This is, I can't remember the last time this it's, it's probably the, the, the last Gary Nova years, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a rough look. So, I mean, I think you're going to have to go to like the, the Holy Crosses, the Villanovas, the Fordhams and, Hopefully you, you get a, a big a big name guy like a, like a Conlin like a Bob Chesney like a Chris Bowden. I mean they're putting up numbers like it's not like it's still offensive schemes like they're still scheming against people. I know it's a different level, but like mm -hmm. it could. It's, I think you'll do better than ten points per game. You absolutely will. And I just looked up uh, Matt Sluga, who's recently followed him. Miami of <laughs> Ohio coaches, Virginia Tech coaches, Utah coaches. Uh, Marshall coaches like he hasn't entered the portal, but all these teams are starting to follow him um, because you have that to good. Cheat. Like you have to cheat. It's clear as day. Everyone else is cheating. You're cheating too. Like there's no difference. Like you just have to cheat. No one, there's yep. no repercussions anymore. Like, no one gives a shit. The, the biggest fine you're going to get right now in college football is for your fans storming the field after a win. You're not going to get yeah, fined for tampering. Yep. And a lot of times <laughs> the, the, the boosters will just cover that fine. Like, I think that's what happened with yeah. Tennessee. Like they started that GoFundMe for like uh, paying for pay, the field goal post. Post, I think, yeah, yeah. So, oh god, it's, I'm tired of yelling. Can we can we move on? Yeah, let's move on to. There's not really a whole lot to talk about with the portal. Um, it doesn't officially open up until next week, so I think the fifth. There's been a decent amount of new follows, so if you want to see the full list, you can check that list out on the boards. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of interesting stuff going on, but nothing that's like super juicy. Um, that Rutgers is kind of fully shown. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Interesting. Yeah. Let's talk basketball. Uh, basketball had a really nice game on Saturday against Central Connecticut State. Um, obviously, they're not a very good team, but when you play not a very good team in terms of rankings, you want to beat the shit out of them and just blow them out, mm -hmm. and that's what Rutgers did on Saturday. Um, and I really like that in situations where teams start to fight back, Pike adjusts and just like steps on teams' throats. Like that's what happened on Saturday. I think Central Connecticut State coming out of the the, the halftime break, they cut the lead down mm -hmm. to like ten. Like they were starting <clears> to look really good. Pike called his timeout, readjusted. Obviously, Caleb made his season debut. He looked pretty good as well. Mm -hmm. I, I really like how many role players are starting to kind of find themselves. Um, you saw Jalen Miller have a bunch of, of career highs on Saturday. Obviously, um, a guy like Antoine Wolfolk is really establishing himself as like a really quality um, rotational big. Uh, Dean Reber's starting to get back healthy. Um, obviously, Paul didn't play. W what are you seeing out of this basketball team right now? And obviously, we have a big game against Miami on Wednesday. But what, what are you seeing out of this team that you're really liking? Uh, ton, ton of depth, like uh, like one through seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe even guys that can play significant minutes. Um, I didn't think going into the season, a guy like Wolfolk would be playing 
uh, as the number one big man off the bench, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> he is the number one big man off the bench now. Um, he's been phenomenal. Uh, he has, he went four four on Saturday. Um, Mag Mag's a great uh, role piece. He actually bounced back after a, a struggle. Uh, who was it? I don't even know who they played the game before this. What um, Sacred Heart? No, whatever. Whoever it was, he struggled the game before that, but he bounced back. Andre Hyatt obviously had a pretty bad game, but he's been pretty good this season overall. Um, Derek Simpson stepped up in a role where he wasn't expected to be the starter at the beginning of the season. Now he started what three games in a row. Um, yep. and he, and he's playing well. Like there's just so much depth here. Um, Dean Reber was hyped up as a guy, as a guy that was going to be a significant role player. And he's, he's not even like, I mean, he's still in the rotation a little bit, but, uh, he, he's like a guy that could play significant minutes. Jalen Miller, like you mentioned career highs for him. Um, he's starting to, Get feel a little bit more better on his offensive game, so that's always a good. Uh, that was the worst sentence I've ever put together. Starting to, <laughs> starting to feel, get more in the groove on the offensive side of the ball. That's better. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's always a good sign. So that I mean they'll give you another guard option off the bench. Caleb McConnell's back. That's huge. There's there's this rotation could go seven, eight, nine deep. Like in Troll, Troll's another guy who we thought we were going to going to play a couple of minutes this year too. Um, and then they're getting Mulcahy back too. So that's this offense should be clicking on all cylinders. They have a good shooter, obviously, and Cam Spencer, which is has been huge for the team this year. Cliff's putting up crazy good numbers. Maybe not this game, but overall, I think he's averaging what like eighteen and ten, eighteen and eleven, something like that. Yeah, Cam. Not only has he been the highest scorer on the team, but he's been like one of the most efficient offensive players in the country. I think he's top twenty in terms of offensive efficiency. He's leading the country in steals. Like this mm-hmm. is like a. Like he was excellent at Loyola, he is so much better than I thought he'd be this year. I thought he would basically be like a watered down version of what he was last year. Mm-hmm. He's in, he's like facing like tougher competition. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, and playing in a deeper rotation. He's been probably him and Cliff have been one A one B in terms of our best players this year, and that is really promising, especially considering Paul has been hurt and Caleb's been hurt, and you're getting those two guys back for those really tough games. That's been so, 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 so nice for this team to have a legit number two uh, player in, in, in Camp Spencer. Yeah, it's it's been huge. And you get a three-point shooter that you haven't had in I don't, I don't know how long. Um, he's, he's hitting that like, pretty good rate at 47%. Like it's, Probably since Doobie, we haven't had a, as good a shooter as him. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, mine do had a bad game versus Temple, and that, that happens with every shooter. But you, you get out of that slump, and he goes four of seven from three, four of six from three. Um, he's 19, 18 points. Like he's, he might lead the team in scoring when all, all said and done. Um, I think you I think will. I, I think, I think someone predicted that on the night report. I don't know who it was, but I feel like I'm spot on with hoops this year. I predicted that, tape, yeah. that Reber wasn't going to be the starter and a mag would be the starter for, um, predicted Spencer. I'm, I'm tooting my own horn here now. This is, this is, uh, <laughs> this is still a tournament team too. I'm marking that one down. I agree. Um, beat Miami on Wednesday and, uh, no one cares about that temple loss anymore. Yeah, and, and Rutgers now sits at 36th in Ken Palm rankings. Miami is 44th. Um, Miami lost to, I believe it was uh, Maryland by, yeah. I think, 8 or 13 at home or something like that. Um, 18. I, I, 18 at home. So what the if you missed last week, the last pod, basically what Maryland said is that Miami's an undersized team, not a great rebounding team, that – Maryland just kind of bullied, and I think Rutgers could mm-hmm. use that same script um, and do the same because Rutgers is a better defensive team than than Maryland is, um, and they're bigger than Maryland. So I do like this matchup for Rutgers. Obviously, it's the first true road game of the year, um, so it, it's going to be a tough game. But this is a game Rutgers should win. I think they'll be favored, or it, it, they'd be favored on a neutral court. They might be a slight underdog because it's away. This is a game that Rutgers should win. Um, and this is starting the stretch of this really tough five-game skid here for <clears throat> Rutgers. They play at Miami on Wednesday. Then they play home against Indiana to open the Big Ten season on Saturday at 4 p.m. Uh, then they play the following Thursday at uh, Ohio State. And then we finish this – or then we play uh, Seton Hall on Sunday the 11th at home. And then they mm-hmm. play – Wake Forest on December 17th at home. Uh, so it's this is a really difficult stretch. What would you say is successful in terms of a record in this five-game stretch for Rutgers? 
That's that's where it's tricky. I don't really know how college basketball is weird this year. A lot of teams are losing. A lot of big names are losing. Like you saw Seton Hall lose to Siena yesterday. That's that's a mind blowing one. Um, UNC, who Indiana plays, so you can kind kind of get a little gauge of that one on Wednesday night uh, after Miami play Rutgers. If you switch over to ESPN, it's going to be Indiana North Carolina. So you can kind of get a gauge of how good Indiana is. Um, Ohio State's always good, especially in a away game, which it's, Rutgers always struggles for some reason on the road. I, I think we're, we're going from Miami to Wake Forest, you said? That yep, five-game so stretch? I'd Miami, prob- yep. I'd probably say three wins is like ideal. You need at least three wins. I think I think Miami's very beatable. I think Indiana's going to be a little tough, but I, I still, a home game at the rack, 4 p.m., uh, what is it, Friday? Thursday? Uh, Saturday, Saturday at 4 p.m. Jesus, I can't even get my dates right. Um, Saturday night at the rack. I think that place is going to be rowdy. It's going to be insane. It's your first big, big atmosphere of the year. Um, that's no knock on other ones. It's just a big, big, uh, opponent. Um, I, th- I think three wins. I think three wins is realistic. I think you get Miami. I think Indiana might be tough, but, uh, I'll probably give it a loss just, just out of, uh, props to Indiana for being the top team in the big 10 right now. Um, I think you beat Seton Hall. At home, that's going to be another big atmosphere. And then um, I think you beat Wake Forest. I really do. I, I think Ohio State away is going to be tough, and I think Indiana is going to be tough. So I think they could get more than three wins, but I think three wins is like the minimum right now. Yeah, I'd agree there. Um, I, I don't think Wake Forest, Seton Hall, and Miami are that good. Uh, they're all ranked below Rutgers and Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to win at least three of these games. Um, like You can't start – the Big Ten schedule off 0-2. So I think you got to win one of those two. And then a road game. Like, these road games are tough regardless. I, I just think somehow you got to get three wins out of this group. Um, yeah. Starting with this Wednesday. A couple things uh, regarding basketball. So uh, if you remember the uh, the Knights of the Raritan, they have an event at George Street Tavern on Wednesday. They have oh, a watch party that. going on. Yeah. So um, if you've Signed up for that. I'm going to be there. I don't know if Richie's going to be there or not, but that should be a good time. Uh, another thing that just got announced was the uh, Rutgers Seton Hall Hoops Banquet that the front office puts on every year, mm-hmm. or at least they did. Uh, two years I running. I think they did two years running. Yeah. yeah. So that'll also be at Mama Nutley or Mama, uh, what's it called? Mama Victoria in Nutley, New Jersey again. It's going to be hosted, the MC by John Fanta, the, uh, the, the front office guys, be a ton of Rutgers and Seton Hall alums there in terms of basketball players. So that should be another good time. I think tickets just started going on sale today for that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a tough stretch for Rutgers, and I think you're going to really know what this team's made of the next uh, the next two weeks or the next three weeks actually. Yeah. Um, do we know t- uh, in terms of Paul's timeline when he's expected to return? I know it was game to game. Um... I, I could see him back for this one versus Miami. It's been it's been quite some time. I actually thought he was going to play this upcoming or this past game because um, he ironically was like a uh, in in a warm up, and I was like, oh shit, like, yep. he might be he might be playing. Like holy shit, like look at that. You get McConnell back, and then they're like, no, McConnell's playing. He's not. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> sure, yeah. that made that made sense. But uh, no, I think he was close to playing this past game, and I think this is the uh, he's definitely going to play this this next game. And I shouldn't say definitely. I think he's going to play this next game though. Um, I think it's there's a very good shot of it, and I think you're going to need them too. Um, you got to get this offense moving a little bit better. I know um, it's obviously Central Connecticut State who they blown out, but mm-hmm. I don't I, whatever the game before that, eh, it wasn't bad versus Ryder, and then the game before that, that was just that's when you saw the struggles on offense. Yeah. Um, I I really think they could go on a nice little run here with uh, games if they could sneak that Indiana one, they could win four. Am I, am I going too yeah. like optimistic now? Thinking because I, I after watching so. Seton Hall last night, they stink. They can't shoot yeah, free Seton throws. Not good. They can't shoot threes. They went one of nine from three. They had sixty percent from the line, and they they got out rebounded by Siena. Or I'm sorry, it was a tie, thirty six thirty six. But like Siena, four and three Siena. Yeah, and I do I do like the the killer instinct of this team this year. Like Pike really has these guys like dialed in. Like when they do face adversity, they don't fun- they don't crumble like they did early last year, and they just let teams back into games. Like they just mm-hmm. stomp on teams' throats. I think the Temple game's a bit of an aberration given who we were losing, and we just had a terrible offensive game. Like 
I think that one you just kind of have to flush and learn from. Um, I do think this team at full strength, though, is the top four team in the Big Ten this year, and I think that'll play out over the, the full season. But this is a very, very good team. I think this is – Pike said last year's team was his best team. I think this year's team is his best team because everybody has a defined role and plays more cohesively as a unit than they did yeah. last year. Last year was too much iso ball. It was a lot of, you know, you know, Geo takes this one, Ron takes the next one, and everybody else just, you know, if you're wide open, take the shot or, mm-hmm. you know, crash the boards. I think this team just is a more free-flowing offense and more defined roles amongst everybody on the team. Um, and yeah. a lot of young guys are getting good minutes right now because they have to. A guy like Derek Simpson, I feel like he's shown – so much growth in six games from where he was game one to where he is now. Um, so I, I, I'm really high on the team. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of people saying the big Ten's bad this year. Like yeah. it's clearly not like Purdue just what beat Duke pretty handedly, like a 20 point win. Um, yep. I think Indiana actually beats North Carolina on Wednesday. Uh, Iowa's been beat Clemson another day, but I think they lost to TCU after that. Um, who else? There was another big win. Someone else, Jesus, that Northwestern game was ugly. 43-42 versus Auburn. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech lost to Ohio State. Like, the Big Ten is good. Hell, and I know I might be mentioning this because I cover them as well, but Penn State looks like a good team this year. Yeah. Like, the the whole Big Ten from top to bottom is good. Like, stop with the whole narrative. It's a down year. It's not. Like, it's not a down year. They're they're really good here, if anything, to start off. I think the narrative for that just mainly comes around the Big Ten lost a lot of star power in the mm-hmm. draft. Like if you look at Jaden Ivey and, and and Murray and uh, and who's the, and uh, Johnny Davis, like they lost mm-hmm. like three top six picks in the NBA draft, and it doesn't mean there's not more talent. It just means they lost the top three NBA prospects in the in the league. That doesn't yeah. really mean more than that. Well, um, I mean, I didn't so, see Zach Eady developing into what he is right now like I, know, yeah. I thought he was goofy on the court looked slow couldn't really move and now he's 21 12 and three blocks or 2.3 blocks a game like holy, i didn't see that one coming at all yeah him and cliff's matchup this year will be very interesting because they're so different stylistically but they're mm-hmm. both really good at what they do um yeah. yeah i'm really excited for basketball season and i'm glad that football season is not going to be mucking it up anymore um but it is an exciting time of the year for football. Uh, this is typically the time where coaching hires get made, the transfer portal heats up, the, the high school class gets closed out. So there's going to be a lot of news that comes over the next two weeks. So stay tuned to your Twitter feed. Stay tuned to your uh, your podcast feed. Stay tuned to the boards because as news breaks and as news is developing, we'll be covering it. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to hit on before we uh, sign off here, Rich? Um, I mean, like I said before, there's a big Black Friday slash Cyber Monday slash the entire holiday weekend deal going on right now. It's only good for today. Today's the last day for it. It's uh $22 for the entire year. That's a hundred and something dollar value. I, I don't know. I think you save like 80 bucks if you do it this way. Or, or if you do the math, it's $1.83 a month. Um, sign up now. Um, we just got, I think we got like, we surpassed like 20 something subscribers, new ones. So a bunch of new people nice. on the board. So Obviously, if you're on the board, you're probably watching this podcast because it's the greatest podcast alive in Rutgers <laughs> athletics history. But uh, yeah, so I mean, definitely um, stay tuned to that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Nadir Chichiri, the Virginia offensive lineman slash tight end, just texted me, said uh, Rutgers official visit being set up. I think it's the second week in December he's aiming for. Might be the first week. I forget. Um, actually, I have to check that in a second. Probably have an article on that really soon. Uh, quarterback recruiting. We know they're probably going to hit the portal for – they should hit the portal for a quarterback. They probably. But uh, they um, they did offer another 2023 QB. I'm not going to put his name out there yet, although if you're on the night report, you probably already know um, or you have a pretty good guess. Uh, he is committed elsewhere, um, so he doesn't want to ruin that. We'll see what happens in that aspect, if he ends up flipping or not. But uh, I'm told the school he's committed to is trying to keep him. They're pushing very hard to keep him. Um, let's see. What else? What else? We There was another offer, too. Who was it? Vincent Carroll, the defensive tackle, has only played a year of football. He's he's looking into a Rutgers official visit, too. Nothing set there yet. Um, I know a couple other schools, like Wisconsin, was showing interest under Leonard. Now with the whole Luke Fickle situation, it's a little different. I'm sure Luke Fickle is going to have a ton of dudes from Cincy flip over there. Uh, we already saw a bunch of decommits. I know Rutgers has already reached out to one. Um, I don't know if anything happens with that traction-wise yet. OC, I think you got to hire one soon. And... Um, 
hashtag hire Conlon. That's it. Just new blood. I'll take I'll take any new blood. Uh, if we, uh, I'm serious when I say this. If we hire nuns as the OC, we're entering like a very dark period in Rutgers football history in terms of fan enthusiasm. Like, there's just there's gonna be nothing. Like, people are gonna be so deflated that what we saw this poo poo platter the last six games is what's gonna be fed to us again. Just, just microwave, yeah. Just microwaved and left out in the sun for for a year. Please don't do this to us, Greg. Please just hire somebody new, change your philosophy, and give us reason to hope for next year's football season. I'm gonna clip that. <laughs> do it. I I hope I hope you do because we need change. Like there has to be a light bulb that clicked in that final game, or Shiano realizes we can't do this going into next year. Like I think he was really hoping. <laughs> That against Maryland, who is a you know below average defense, that there is just some life on offense, that something they could build on, something to inspire hope going into twenty twenty three. But the we scored zero points against a below average defense in a game where we had a lot of opportunities to make something happen on offense, so we did nothing. So with that, I will sign off today uh, on a somber note. I want that to just float in the air for Rutgers fans. And hopefully the next time we're jumping for joy because a, an offensive <clears throat> coordinator has been hired that is outside the program. Who's going to breathe new life into this offense, bring in his guys and just really give Rutgers fans a reason to kind of be inspired. So for Richie and I, this has been another edition of the night report podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.